briefly wanted to remind people of a couple things. The Dessert and Dialogue is coming up March 15th. I hope you guys will attend. It should be a good evening with Dr. Peter Enns. And uh, there are still a couple book groups that are going to meet in late February, early March. If you have not signed up and you would like to, just send me an email and we'll put you in a group. And with that, uh, welcome back. Glad to have you. Thank you, Amy, and thank you, Art. It's um, you know it's really tough to sell books to a crowd who's obviously can't afford to go to Israel, and you know it's, a, it's the only people who are here. So uh, that's a that's a you know it's a tough sell, Art, but you got it. But uh, the uh, just in, in terms of of reminder, as in terms of what we're doing, is that the the things that we're talking about now are not in the book. Okay, they're they're beyond the book, so uh, so it's not it's not redundant and won't take any steam from what Art and and uh, Bobby are doing and the other people like that. So it's not not gonna uh, you know take any any spin off of that. I have here a, the, a computer because my my computer and and the printer in in at our home are are involved in some form of domestic dispute that has not uh, has not engaged me in any level except they're not speaking to one another and the consequence is that I've got this thing here so I apologize for all the hardware that's up there. Uh, <clears throat> I want to talk with you today about um, uh, studies in moral decision making. I want to talk about moral decision making and um, when we talk about uh, fracking and how many of you all have been here before and, and if I use that term, is that I mean, is that anybody anybody not know what I'm talking about? It's the old Jewish. Um, it's a it's it's an application of the Jewish practice called midrash, which means to seek or to inquire, and it is to go beyond the text on the, beyond a biblical text, asking questions that the text itself does not answer. So it puts you out on ground that's highly speculative, which is the reason it might be good fodder for the for the Thursday classes during Lent. So. That's what we're talking about here. So we talk about fracking a story. You're talking about going beyond the, the text and raising questions there. That's what we're. That's what we've been doing. That's what we're talking about now. And but the but when you raise those questions, it's not just idle speculation. It's not um, you know. It's not like trying to figure out the shapes of clouds. You know that one looks like the state of Texas, and this looks like an anchovy or something. You know it's not. It's not that kind of thing. It's got to go someplace. So what we're going to do is some fracking today, uh, and you're going to be the frackers. So that's that's what we're we're doing here, uh, and and the question has to do with with moral decision making, and what we're going to do is meet some people up here. Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah, who were advisors to King Hezekiah. And I'm sure that you all know that, and some of your children are probably named Eliakim or Shebna or something <laughs> like that, and, uh, and you, you, you're quite keen about that, and, and so I don't want to be terribly redundant. But <clears throat> a little bit about Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a king of Judah, and he served as in that role for a good long time, from 715 to 686. Numbers go backwards before the before the birth of Christ. His story is in Second Kings, chapters 18 to 20. So, uh, if it don't don't be afraid, we're going to talk about it a little bit, so you got time to find it. Uh, the Bible in front of you ha- does have a table of contents, so it's all right to to look it up and. Uh, you know, and and find the second book of Kings, and you will come to the 18th chapter, and 
in that, there's a little bit of context that you need to know. When you read the story of Hezekiah, you will find that the historians, the people who are writing that story in the second book of Kings, are are praise him to the sky. He's 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 really a great guy, and he did some good things. But there's a reason for that, which is that that the the writers of the history books in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament applied a single question to the value of a person or a time or anything like that. They asked one question. And their question was, how did this person adhere to the monotheistic worship of Yahweh, the, the God? How did you do with that? Did you worship other gods? or did you? They asked one question. Now, they got there because when, when Jerusalem fell in 586 and and the people had to figure out how could that be how how could how could we the chosen people of God end up here you know and you know countries do that individuals do that it's you know it's called rock bottom you know the person who you know goes to a party and wakes up three days later in Cleveland and says you know maybe I have a drinking problem you know something like that you know that there's something there's something going on here. What, you know, what, how did this happen? And so for the people of Israel, how could it happen that we, the chosen people of God, should fall to the Babylonians and be taken into captivity? And so they had to figure it out. And so they, they went around, and it's, it's a long story and a good story, but they came to the conclusion that the reason that they, that they were allowed to fall was that they had mingled with non-Yahweh worshipers. They had mixed it up with the with the peoples, Gentiles. Basically, what that means is non-Jews. So they had mixed it up with other people, and that that was their failure. So when they read back in through history, when they after they got back from the exile, that's when they wrote the history books. And they wrote the history books, and they said, well, now, who were the good guys and who were the bad guys? Well, you know, they asked one question, and good guys, you know, supported the worship of Yahweh. Bad guys mingled with other people. That was their criteria. During the McCarthy era, the question was, you, you, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? One question. That's all we want to know. Now, it's a good question, but it wasn't quite good enough to carry the day, but, but that's what it was. So they were asking one question about that, and that's what goes on here. So they've written this history about Hezekiah, and they said, Hezekiah is a really good guy. He is really good, and basically because he, you know, he he did this uh, this wonderful thing. Now, your uh, good folks from Westminster who are going to Israel right now probably will not see or participate in uh, you walking through a thing that's called Hezekiah's Tunnel or Conduit, and he did that, which was a very good military engineering project that that he was involved in and what that amounted to is a conduit that connects the natural cisterns of Jerusalem to the inner city so that they could withstand a siege and that made them very invulnerable to other people uh, to invading uh, armies and and things like that so he's not a bad guy he he did a lot of good things he was a worshiper all that sort of thing but we come up against one frightening lesson. And that's the piece that we're going to be reading here in just a little bit. Now, the setting for this is that there was in the Middle East, as opposed to now, which 
you know, exists in tranquil simplicity. Uh, there were a number of hostile forces moving around at that time, very confused, very, you know, alliances were shifting, all kinds of things going on from one person to another. Great consequences were being carried out, and the bully du jour in, at this particular time, in the seven, about 700 years before the birth of Christ, uh, was Assyria. And the Assyrian Empire basically occupies Iraq, Syria, and Turkey, you know, parts of all of those things. That's, that's where they are up north. And so they come to, uh, to Jerusalem, and they meet, uh, uh, and they're gonna be, they're gonna put on a siege in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is pretty tough for siege because Hezekiah has built this conduit. They have water. And, you know, one of the things, this is, this is my favorite trivia point. Uh, do you realize that Jerusalem and London have the same annual rainfall? Aren't you glad you came this morning? I mean, I bet the people who come back from Israel won't even know that one. But the fact is they do. The difference is that London gets it every day and, and Jerusalem gets it in a, you know, in a season. But it's the same annual rainfall. So that the, in that kind of climate, the ability to store water, you know, is hugely important. And, and that, so that's, that's why Jerusalem is the key city. But, but anyway, he built this thing. So made them able to withstand the, the siege forces of Assyria that came up, up against them. So the text that I want you to, 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 to look at in your, in your Bible and, and I, this is not very egalitarian, but I know this is being taped, so I, I'm going to read the text. Uh, it is the second book of Kings, chapter 20, verses 12 through 19. Second Kings 20, 12 through 19. Anybody having trouble finding it? As I said, they've got, there is a table of contents there, so don't, don't, uh, don't make it difficult for yourself. Now, as I said, that the <clears throat> um, so here the setting is the Assyrians have, are coming up against Jerusalem, and they're going to get it. And here we're going to meet these three guys: Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah. And there's going to be a statement, I think, by Hezekiah that raises profound moral questions that we're going to figure out what we're going to do when we frack this is what could, what should, and what would these three guys say to Hezekiah. They're the inner circle, so what would they do? Now, listen to the story. Twelfth verse, 2 Kings 20. At that time, King Merodach-Baladan, son of Baladan of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah. For he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick, and Hezekiah welcomed them. He showed them all his treasure. Oh, wait a minute, i got to back up a little bit. The three guys are introduced. This is a different, this is a different setting. I've, I've got mixed up about this. This is, a, a, this is not the, the, the besieged. This is when he gets a message about being sick. But before that, he had faced down the Assyrians with these. That's where these three men are introduced. I'm, I apologize for that. That is confusing. So these guys are his counselors, and they have stood with him to withstand the Assyrians. Now there's a story when, when Hezekiah is sick. Here comes sick. Hezekiah, he said, he, he heard Hezekiah had been sick. Hezekiah welcomed them. 
he showed them all his treasure house. These are Babylonians. Showed them all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Now, these are Babylonians. Then the prophet Isaiah came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And where did they come and and from where did they come to you? Hezekiah answered, They've come from a far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, They've seen all that's in my house. There's nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. He's bragging. He's going to show off to these guys. Isaiah thinks they're snakes. You know, you shouldn't show them that. But anyway, then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. The days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your ancestors have stored up until this day shall be carried to Babylon, and nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Some of your own sons who are born to you shall be taken away. They shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. The days are coming when all this is going to happen, and some of your sons and some of their sons, they shall be carried off as eunuchs to the palace of the king of Babylon. Here's the sentence. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, Why not? If there will be peace and security in my days. What? <laughs> what? Why not let my children suffer if there will, as long as there's peace and security in my days? Now, what Isaiah is saying to him is, you idiot. You came in and showed the Babylonians that we're worth capturing, and they've all gone back and told everybody what they saw, and the Babylonians are going to come, and they're going to get us, but they're not going to get here for a while, and it will be fall on your sons and your grandsons. And Hezekiah says, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Well, let's pause for a moment and consider what is wrong with that. You know, the, the ability to say, well, if the consequences come later, why should I worry? Now, Hezekiah is a very powerful ruler. Hezekiah has a lot of ego. He wants to show the Babylonians all this stuff. He has a lot of power, and he's got three advisors, Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah. They were named earlier. Now, the question is, what... Let me get this back here. What could they say? What should they say? And what would they say? Now, there's a tremendous power differential here between Hezekiah and his advisors. They serve literally at the will and pleasure of the king. And... You know, when you get fired by the king, you, you tend to 
quit doing other things like living, you know, on, on after that. So, I mean, it's, this is not a trivial matter. So, if these guys recognized that and said, what could they say? What could they have said to Hezekiah for his position that, well, if it doesn't happen to me, who cares? Let, let the, let it, let the country fall to the Babylonians. What could they say to Hezekiah? You've lost your mind. You've lost your mind. Yes, you could say that. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's a serious moral. I mean, how, how can you do, anyway, that's, yes, you've lost your mind. Uh, perhaps you'd want to s- smooth that over a little bit in talking to King Hezekiah, but yes, you, that could be your point. Anything, what else, what could, what, what else could you say? Could you point out? I'm sorry? It's your legacy you're destroying. It's your legacy you're destroying. Okay, there you go. To, to appeal to that vanity. How will you be remembered? That's that's a good one. Okay. What else could they say? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, in, in point of fact, you know, Hezekiah dies in 686. Uh, Jerusalem doesn't fall for another hundred years to Babylon. So, I mean that's a long time to put things in the attic, but 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 you're right. I mean you could you could you could do that. I don't know if the timeline was certainly wasn't clear to them, but yes, you you could start preparing. You know, is there a way to undo this? You know, in some way to to re- reduce this vulnerability that you've created for us. Any other ideas as to what I what what they could say to? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay, that your leadership has has a greater obligation than simply the preservation of your well-being and whether you're having a good time. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, and that and that's certainly a cogent argument to calling somebody to the wider wider scheme of things and what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else in terms of what they could say? What we're doing is fracking the story. We, we, this is what's we, the Bible doesn't tell us this. This is not in the Bible story. I just read you the Bible story. There's no record of them saying anything. I mean, because these three guys are introduced when the, in the dispute with the Assyrians. So, so they're but they're there. They're the temple advi- They're the the, the the king's advisors. So they're there, and presumably privy to this to this conversation. So. You know, there, there's more going on. Anything else? Uh-huh. Could they want to negotiate a peace with Babylon, an agreement? Possible. Possibly. Uh, possibly. Oh, yeah, right. Could be. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. could, could, they, could they involve the prophet Isaiah in it? Could they bring Isaiah back, who's a... Scary, thus says the Lord. You know, I mean, he 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 scares people. So possibly, you know, to enlist Isaiah in, uh, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't use the the term "come to Jesus," but you know, but it would be uh, uh, it would be that that kind of a thing. Okay, that's what they could say. What should do they say? What should what points should they make for this guy? What's what's the basic thing that that they need to to communicate to him? Or to anybody in the city, in case. What should they try to communicate to him? Yeah. 
Right. How do you know? How do you know they're not going to attack us right now? Uh, and, and of course, the, the bully of the day is Assyria, not Babylon at this point. Babylon will become, but, but that's another possibility. And also that, that if Babylon, in this case, enters into an alliance with, uh, with Assyria and becomes this, you look, look at the shifting, shifting alliances in Syria right now. You know, the, you know, here are the Kurds and there come the Russians and here come the, you know, the Turks and here are the rebels and here's the government. I mean, they're all, you know, involved it, it it was that kind of a thing so so they're they're a danger at that point so all right yes ma'am when, when Isaiah is telling him what's going to happen there's no if then there's no this is going to happen because you're doing this or not doing that there's no we need to do this to right. it. it just saying this is going to happen no right. matter what so well yeah i i think that yeah there are, he he yeah, that that Isaiah I think is making this point because he has shown the treasure house. He let his ego get out in front of him, and he's shown the treasure house to the to the Babylonians, and that that's I think I think that the the text as with the proximity of those points rather than the the casuistry, you know, the if this then that kind of kind of thing. But but he just says, and of course you know. People like Isaiah, I mean, people who begin sentences with, thus says the Lord, you know, are, you know, they're, you know, doubt is not a big player in, in, the, in their, in their, in their mind. Yes, sir. You could say God is, he could say God is on, and what would that mean if you said that in this context? God is on our side. Who is our at this point? Who, 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 who would you be talking about? And how, tell me a bit a little more about that. I think you said he was Yes, sir. Mhm. Mhm. And and if you said that what would you be saying to Hezekiah about his statement, you know, it's okay if if the disaster comes after I live. What would that mean in that context? Maybe not maybe it doesn't have a meaning. It's okay, but if God is on their side then it you know there yeah there that would be an implication and that is a thing that is often said i i kind of think that you know when god is on your side you know if if that's what you really believe uh, first of all you know, i'm not sure that you, i believe that god feels the compulsion to choose sides among us but you know if if god is on your side that's a dangerous ally you know that god on your side is kind of like hannibal's elephants you know they 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 they're not controllable allies and God is not always a controllable ally when you when you say God is on our side. So it's a you could you could say that right and right if you were trying to convey that. But of course, in in this case, Eliakim, Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah, the Babylonians have gone home, so they can only talk to Hezekiah at this point. So, but but your point is well taken. They could they could. In, in making it clear to the Babylonians, we've got all these riches, and you know, by the way, we've also got the ultimate secret weapon, which is Yahweh. So that's that's a thing to be said. Yes, ma'am. Then, then, 
Yeah. It it would be yeah, it I mean in in this in this point, you know, that you know, God and the king and the people are 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 kind of a trinitarian, you know, do you they don't separate out very very well in the in the thinking of of this particular this particular time and, and place. But yes, that that point could be made that God that's part of what I mean when I say that like Hannibal's elephants God is an uncertain ally that God is liable to show up on on behalf of the people. Uh, as opposed to the monarchy at, at different points, and it's not not always a controllable ally to to rely on. Okay, yes, yes, ma'am. Well, maybe they should say, well, since God says it's going to happen, maybe we should ask Isaiah what God wants us to do. There you go. Okay, at that point, okay. Thank you very much. What God? What is? What does God want us to do? Yeah, I mean, look at the look. I'm sorry. No, if then, right. But but what what can we do now? Given given this situation, what what would God have us do? What would be the form of, you know, repentance? Perhaps would be one set of way to say that. Uh, you know, the the great story of Jonah and going to Tarshish. Remember, and and you know, he he didn't want to go because he didn't like the people in Tarshish. But but he he goes and he says, you know, God says repent. And to his disgust, everybody says, oh, okay, sure, we'll repent. And, and he does, and God lets him off, and he's really ticked off about it. But, you know, but there's there's a lot of stories about the power of repentance in, in that. Yeah. Was there another hand back? Yes, Bobby. I was, I was going to ask for forgiveness. <coughs> ask for forgiveness. Speak. Yeah. And, right. And, and I think that, you know, asking for forgiveness and seeking a path of repentance are connected, but they're connected, but they're not, I mean, Simply asking for for forgiveness can be, and I don't think this is what you mean, but I'm, I'm, I'm right. It, it's got it's got to be it's got to be. You know, I want to be. I'm going to be different, not just you know just you know erase my footprints behind me, kind of a kind of a thing, which is not likely to to, to be the case. So yeah, it it to do something about it. What what can we do about this? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the uh, this is the only thing I have is a cough. It's not. It's not catching or anything. So, all right. Any anything else about about that? About what it what it is? So, one other question. Now we've talked about different scenarios. We don't know these three guys: Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah. What do you suppose they said? What's what's the reality of three guys who are the the king's advisors? And the king makes a statement like this. And the fact is, if Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah say nothing, they get the same benefit that Hezekiah was claiming. If it's not going to happen in his lifetime, it ain't going to happen in mine either. You know, and, and I still get, you know, you know, the company car or whatever goes with being, you know, an advisor to Hezekiah. So, there's a pressure on these guys to say nothing. There is a tremendous vulnerability if they say something, and the prospects of actually changing Hezekiah's approach to this are slim. So it's one thing to say, well, principle would say you, you really ought to do this. Yeah, you know, do these things we've been talking about here. The practical realities of the situation indicate that, well, maybe, you know, 
maybe I'll keep quiet. And that's one of the things that happens when when the concept of practicality begins to attach itself to the concepts of morality. Morality tends to be absolute. Practicality tends to be negotiable. And when you put the two together, you tend to come up with maybe a different set of answers. Now, I don't know that that makes Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah bad people. I think it makes them people. And that's where the insight comes in. You know, I, I think that, that, you know, there, there could be all kinds of things, but you take the, the dynamic of that, of that moment and say, well, are you going to say the right thing? Well, you know, we could spend, you know, a Lenten program unpacking the times when you and I have known what God wanted us to do and for practical reasons chose not to do it. There's a story in the book about Mary of Bethlehem, who you never heard of because I made her up, but, but, but it, there's a, it goes that way. But the, but the, the thing about, uh, about that, about, you know, I, I know what's the right thing to do. I know the right thing to say or do at this particular point, but it does not seem practical. That's a tough combination to hold together. Does that make sense to you? Okay. That's what you get from fracking a little story like that to go with, to go with, with them. Now, again, you know, it doesn't tell us what they did. I mean, because we're out beyond the scripture, we have no idea what they did. I, I don't have a clue. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Uh, and it and it doesn't come to any great conclusion that you know that everybody who's worthy of the mantle of being a child of God would behave this way, and everybody else is a cretinous failure as a human being. It's not that at all. It's about being human. So, but but this this kind of track. Can give us some insight into to those folks. Okay, any? They could negotiate a deal with Babylon. Uh, the question, the question, frankly, if I were Babylon, my question would be why. <laughs> but you know, if you're going to negotiate a deal, that somebody has to have an interest in both sides. And actually, when the day comes in Babylon, this is a hundred years later, when Babylon does show up, you know, they they try to buy them off a couple of times, and so they they do try to do that. Uh, it, it doesn't work very well. But anyway, that's, that's a whole, no, whole other slice of history. But yes, you, you could do that. Actually, in the dynamics of this, Babylon will become more powerful. It's not. Right now, the bully of the day is Assyria. Okay? And Babylon is a, is a new place. And it says that, that the king sent envoys, you know, and, and Hezekiah, you know, because Hezekiah was sick, and they sent envoys, and he, you know, got his ego out in front of him, wanted to brag about himself and show everybody how rich and fine he was, and so he showed the Babylonians, and it's, it's difficult to negotiate against knowledge. You know, the, the, okay, I, let's pretend that you don't know what you just found out. Okay, that's a difficult, uh, position to, you know, to be in. But, but, you know, negotiation is a, is a possibility. And, uh, so, or to, you know, to say, well, okay, you see all the riches in the temple. Uh, what I didn't show you is the army that's defending it. And maybe you'd be interested to know the extent to which we will go to, to do it, which would be a, get it in terms we can all understand, you know, and, and make it real that way. But, uh, yes, sir. It is. It is. 
It is hard work. Right. Exactly. It is. It is very hard to rock the boat, and and it's easy to rationalize. And you can say, well, you know, why would I rock the boat? Because I'm in it. You know, it's it's a it's yeah it's tough it's it's tough to do. So as I say, that if 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 these guys decided to be quiet, that doesn't make them bad people. It makes them people. You know, and and they're you know, because all of those factors, all the things we're talking about, are real and they pertain. And the the point that I want to make and want to you know to, for our, our value here is, you know, they pertain to us too, not not necessarily on this scale and on these terms, but but we do that too. When when it becomes morally clear as to what you know what's the right thing to do, and then we start to you know to shuffle in the the cards of practicality. It changes the way it feels. You get into that rocking boat or to the negotiate, all, the, all kinds of other things come up and, and, you know, there, there we are. So now fracking doesn't come to conclusive answers and we're not going to come to one either, but they do make a point and that's what this is about. Okay. There's another story I want to go through with you today before we go, but, uh, any questions about that before we say goodbye to Hezekiah and, uh, uh, the, I hate using this thing. Anyway, all right. Um, the next, the next thing I want you to look at is the the next text is the Gospel of Mark in the fifth chapter, verses one through seventeen. Okay, now, Mark 5, 1 through 17. I'll read it in just, just a second. But Now, this is a story of the, that's known as the, the kerosene or the Gadarene uh, demoniac. The location is uncertain, but it's somewhere near the Sea of Galilee. It is in the ministry of Jesus. And, and so, this is this is the the story. It is I I, I, I assume it is a, well it, it is a familiar story. Uh, they Jesus and the disciples came to the other side of the lake to the country of the Gerasenes, and when he stepped out of the boat, <coughs> excuse me, immediately, which is the word that Mark uses all the time, immediately a man out of the tombs um, with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. He had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Now that night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. So you got to figure that, that this person is very well known, you know, that Children were not allowed to walk up there on their way home from school. That, you know, that you didn't play anywhere near, you know, where, you know, where, you know, Bob the demoniac, you know, was living and, and howling and really a frightening, scary sort of a thing. Not only in his own right, but in what he says about what human beings can descend to. So he scares us, you know, kind of internally as well as externally. So he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. 
When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. Legion was a thousand troops in the Roman army. Uh, so I got a lot of problems. Uh, my name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Send them out of the country. Now there was on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned in the lake. Now there's a thing here about an understanding of, you know, of, of illness, mental illness at this point, which is not our own. And, and the, the, this understanding of mental illness is that, that mental, mental illness is itself an object, you know, which finds itself inside of you. All right. And that, that, that if you took it out of you, you got to do something with it. You know, kind of like nuclear waste. I mean, you got, you, okay, you got it out, but now you got to do something with it. And so that was the, that was their picture of how that worked. Now, that's not our picture, and we can talk about the advantages of, of demonology as opposed to, you know, our current things. There are some advantages, but, but here we're up against a picture that is not our own, but that's their picture. So, so, so we gotta let their, their picture be their picture, but that's what they're saying. Okay, if you took an evil spirit out of, you know, Bob the crazy guy, then you gotta do something with it. It has to go somewhere. Alright, that, that's, that's what they're believing. So, they said, let us go to the pigs. Now, you know, Jesus, a good Jewish boy, doesn't, you know, put a lot of value on pigs. That's not a, not a thing that's important to him. So he says, sure, yeah, sure, pigs, go ahead. Yeah, right. And so they do. 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned in the lake. The swineherds ran off and told it to the city and the country. Then people came to see what had happened. Now listen closely. They came to Jesus. They saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed. And in his right mind, the very man who had had legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. What would the conversation have been like as they came to the conclusion to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood? Here's crazy Bob. You know, here is a great benefit to you know, this guy that we've all known and scared the jabbers out of everybody forever here in this, in this community. And He's okay, and that's a real healing power, an incredible healing power. We didn't do anything, how to do anything but run away from this guy. Couldn't chain him, couldn't shackle him, couldn't do anything with him. We couldn't do anything, and he got it all right. So he's okay. How much are pigs going for these days? Okay, so you, you've got... I. 
or just to make it simple, let's say it's a buck a pig. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't keep up with, you know, pork bellies and future. I don't, don't keep that. But anyway, just to make the math simple, $2,000 worth of pigs. Bomb. What's the conversation like between now? We're fracking now. Okay. Because there's no story about that. It just tells the, what the story says is that they, It seemed what had happened to the Boniac and to the swine, and they asked Jesus to go. Now, what took place between the demoniac, seeing the demoniac, seeing the swine, and asking Jesus to go? How do you get from, how do you connect those dots? What was the conversation like that they had? That's fracking the story. I'm, I'm sorry? Could be, yeah, okay. There's a real power. There's a real power there. It kind of like, again, it was, it was what we said with this gentleman, you know, God is an uncertain ally. This is a little scary, too. Could, yes, good, good point. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Well, they've got a, they've got a problem, you know, but the, uh, you know, they, they, they have to, you know, they don't want to get spooked for that, but they, they could, they certainly could lose their jobs. And, uh, unless somebody else has got 2,000 more pigs, they probably did lose their job. What, what else would, might have been brought up by these folks in the, in this setting? Right, right. And I wonder if this wouldn't be like, well, this guy, if they think he's really the Messiah, you know, the Romans are going to come in here and, you know, and if we believe in him or, you know, they ask us anything, we could be in really big trouble. Well, yeah, that, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but that is a good point. There's a, there's the, you know, the fear of an occupied people of, of becoming visible for whatever reason, you know, because of the Roman authority. And the Roman authority is there. Now, these, these guys are not Jews. They're not looking for a Messiah. I mean, you, you, you don't look for a Messiah while taking care of pigs. I mean, that's not the way it works. So, so the, okay. But that's, that's a good point. They may have wanted just to, so that puts another layer on it. There was another hand that went up. Uh, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Get him out of here, right? And yeah, there's the devil you know and the devil you don't know, and 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 the uh, you know I can understand the pigs, you know I you know I, I got a sense of that, and you know here's here's Bob, you know, and and he you know he now wants to join Rotary, you know, after all this thing, and I you know what are you going to do with him? So you know that you you got that, okay, all right, that's a, that's a good point. So they're they're afraid, they're afraid of the power of God, they're afraid of the of the of the power, they don't know whether it's the power of God or what. It, right, as the lady said, it could come come and get him. You know it, that that if if he can send the pigs into the the, the the lake, he can send us into the lake. I mean, so so they're they're scared about that. They're scared about that. Right, that's right. 
because that's the next question. That the, having made that decision, you remember if you, it's not in the text I asked you to read, but if you if you look on down there, Jesus says, "Okay, I'm I'm leaving. I'll go. I'll I'll leave. I don't, didn't come here to make anybody mad. I'm leaving." And Bob, I'm the guy named him Bob, but but Bob says, "I'd like to go with you," and Jesus says, "No, you stay here and tell people what God has done for you." And one of the things that does is that that Bob becomes the first apostle. You know, the, 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 the word disciple means follower. The word apostle means sent. Bob is the first person to be commissioned by Jesus to go and tell the gospel, tell the truth. First guy. I mean, others are. I mean, so he, he's not alone, but he's the first one. So now... Okay, you've made this decision. This Jesus thing is scary. This, you know, this, this is really spooky stuff. Uh, we, you know, we're really nervous about this. Get out of here. Uh, this is too much for us. We don't want to, want to deal with that, which is basically the way they dealt with Bob in the past. You know, leave, leave him out there. They may have really tried to incorporate Bob into the community, but he doesn't, you know, sound like he fit very well. And so, uh, now, now you've got, you got Bob. So, so okay. Jesus says, "I'll go." Bob, you you're gonna have to stay here and talk to these folks. So the boat sails off. Jesus is gone, and here's Bob, and here's the community. Who says what to whom? So, how, what do you what do you say to Bob? What do you? Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, I always knew you could do it, Bob. I was behind you all the way, right? Yeah, I was always behind you by about six miles, but I was behind you, right? Yeah. I feel sorry for Bob because here he's been demonic, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. It's yeah. Thanks a lot, Jesus. That yeah. Yeah. That thank you, Jesus, can have an edge to it. You know, it's a yeah. It it can. Yeah, I mean, Bob's got a particular thing, but the community has a particular thing. What, you know, how do you, how do you absolutely change your attitude towards somebody in a, in a, in a, in a world that, you know, that, that lives on those kind of determinations? Yes, ma'am. Can you be sure it's going to be a permanent change? Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Right. That's right. And Jesus has gone off and, that's right, and 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 Bob just asked if he can take your daughter to the movies. Yeah, yeah, you're not, yeah, I'm not sure, Bob. Yeah, it's yeah, there is a, really hard for everybody there. Yes, ma'am. Uh, well, oh, we're out a thousand pigs. Well, you know, and Bob's lawyer would say, "You're going to talk to the guy in the boat. You just sent him off." I mean, he didn't, Bob didn't have anything to do. With it. Anyway, we'll we'll uh, <laughs> we'll get too far into Bob's defense there. But uh, uh, anyway, people do change. People people do change, but it's communities that accept change, yeah, or or don't. And so there's a real question here as to whether. Bob is going to get integrated into this community, or you know, it's not going to be automatic, you know, because the 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 view of Bob was not without you know substance. I mean, there there was. I mean, have you been nervous about Bob? Well, yeah. I mean, yes, he was howling, scratching himself, breaking chains. Yeah, that that makes me nervous. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm a little edgy about Bob. And right, is he going to revert to type? You know, uh, I mean. 
I, I, my guess is that uh, you know, when next full moon, everybody's going to be a little nervous about Bob or something, you know, that they've got uh, all those things coming on. So, but but people do change, but then communities have to allow change. They have to allow change. The immediate response of this community is, we don't want to, we don't want the we don't want this power here. We don't want the, this kind of power to change. Be among us for reasons that we understand as human beings. We understand them, and and they say we we don't want that around there. So what happens is that now you've got Bob, and so you've got Bob sitting there, and a conversation has to happen, or somebody who has fallen from grace and been in prison comes back to the community at Westminster Church and says, I'm different. Or somebody who has been uh, caught in addiction and says, I'm different. Now the question is, how do you treat them differently? How do, you know, Because the healing was up to Jesus. The wholeness was up to the community. And how you negotiate that, you know, again, don't be simplistic about that. You know, it's not just, oh, well, sure, everybody, you know, uh, you, you know, let Bob join the Rotary Club and we'll all get along fine. We're not ready for that. You know, that's, that's not there. We need time to do that. And it's, it's a difficult thing to do. And this, this, um, the question of healing versus the question of wholeness, the question of being, uh, different and being understood differently is a very difficult thing to do. And, and that's something that falls on communities. And that's what you get from fracking this story is to go with these folks. Because all, all the attention, when you read the Bible, it's rightly so. All of the attention is on Jesus and the demoniac. And that's where the power of the story is. And that's exactly where it ought to be. When you begin to frack the story, you begin to look about, what about these folks? This community out there? How would, how did they deal with that kind of power? Well, they deal with it the way we talked about. And again, uh, did you catch my cough? I hope not. Okay, good. Oh dear. Okay. All right. Good. Good. All right. Good. Good. Uh, okay. So anyway, the the uh, the thing is that they they do the the community has something to teach because in most of these stories, you and I are the community. My guess is that while I don't know you all well, my guess is that few of you would fit into the demoniac category here at Westminster. And so, you know, it, that we are more likely to be the community that's weighing economic costs versus benefit, making a moral decision, you know, pigs, people. Uh, in case of, of Eliakim and, and, and the others, you know, long-term, short-term, we make those decisions all the time, and that's what goes on here. Okay? Well, that's the story. Any questions about that before we quit? If you want a book, they're back there in the back, and Carrie can get them for you. Since Art wants you in the, in the, 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 the book group, you can, you can get them. Uh, and uh, they're $16, and they, you can do credit cards or that. But as I say, for what we're doing here, you don't need the book. So I, I'm not that's, – that's not my point. But if you want to be part of Art, Art and Bobby's uh, work, okay? So – and who else? Pat? Uh, whoever. Well, who, whoever, whoever the guilty parties are, there, there you have. Okay, we have one more session to do, and we will, uh, we will sit down and we'll take a couple of other stories apart. And you, you, you're good at fracking. You're, you're good, you're good, you're good frackers. So it's good, good that you do that. Thank you all very much. I'll see you next week.